0: Think about the users, who are the folks that are engaging sourcing, that are trying to put in a purchase requisition and so forth, and simplify it from their perspective. One theme that I've always provided clients was, you need to make it easier to do the right thing.
1: Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on their journey to world-class performance.
2: Hello, my name is Pat Chan, and I'm a principal in the Hacker Group's Sourcing Procurement Practice, and I'm also your host for today's podcast. I'm joined by my guest and fellow colleague, James McDonald, who is also a principal in our practice. I'll be guiding the discussion and providing context as needed. So the topic of this podcast is buying channel strategies. As procurement organizations continue to evolve and strive to add greater value to their companies, one of the main areas of focus will always be within their processes. Companies are always looking at ways to be more efficient and have better processes. And at Hackett, we help many procurement organizations on their journey towards world-class and process improvements across the source-to-pay function are always an area of focus and opportunity. One of the foundational elements that we help clients implement is something called a channel strategy, which really serves as a blueprint for your source-to-pay process. So let's dive a little bit further into this channel strategy concept. And I'm gonna ask James several questions which will help us to gain greater insight here. So James, what is a buying channel strategy and what's the scope of a strategy involved?
0: Hi, Pat. Well, as you described, a buying channel is a path that a purchase takes throughout the complete procure to pay process. This could be from the first step of a sourcing event or engaging sourcing, Or it could be just within the transactional process of the first step of a requisition all the way to the last step of payment. So in the world of procure-to-pay, it's important to understand the reason we have and focus on buying channel strategies is because not all commodity category purchases are created equal. There is varying degrees of control and risk management that need to apply to these different categories. So when thinking about buying, we need to be thinking about How will the needs for these goods or services be communicated? How will procurement organization find out about this need? Or how would the business identify this need and capture this need? Who needs to review or approve these types of requests? And should this be something that we would utilize a purchase order for? Because not all categories make sense to go through a formal purchase order process. And then from an accounting perspective, do we need to acknowledge these expenses through a receipt and so forth before we get the actual invoice and pay it? All the way on the invoice and payment side, how is the payment going to be triggered? Are there supplier invoices coming in? Are we doing evaluated receipt settlements or are we using a P-card? What control is required based on the type of category, the the volume of spend, or the risk associated with that? So when thinking about a buying channel strategy and the scope of a strategy, it's important to understand that an optimized channel strategy looks at all the different categories of spend and allocates them to the least control process that still mitigates the risks associated with noncompliance and contractual obligations associated to purchasing that category. So when we think about how we want to buy or how an organization should buy, the risk factors would include how much spend detail do we need about that purchase? What's the likelihood of fraud or abuse? What's the average size of the purchase? Are these big advertising deals or consulting projects or IT infrastructure purchases? Are they just small purchases of office supplies and equipment or even dues and fees and licenses that we may have as part of our administrative needs? What's the likelihood of Maverick spending based on the category or the industry or the culture of the organization or the effective incorrect accounting and, and posting and so forth? From a control perspective, the idea of understanding how much auditability do we need to have here? How much upfront approval is required to commit company funds before that type of purchase is made based on the average size of those purchases? How do we need to match price and quantity at, w- at what level when the invoice or the receipt is done back to that original commitment and what level of budget management is involved? So these are a lot of the types of questions when we think about what is the strategy and what is the scope of this strategy? What does it entail?
2: So in your experience, don't most procurement organizations actually have a strategy or something similar in place today?
0: Actually, no, it's surprising, but most of us in procurement, and Pat, you and I have been in procurement for a long time, have interacted both as either within procurement departments or working with the procurement departments that might not even have a policy or a documented process or consistent standardized processes across source-to-pay or procure-to-pay. So from newly formed departments to established departments, the step in formulating and documented documenting this strategy is is actually often a, a skip step. So you can have a procurement department focus on different categories, but this blueprint of a buying channel strategy, may never have occurred to sort of really establish those standards and able to answer the question, how do we buy X, a particular category within the organization? So the results of not having this strategy in place in procurement organizations can be a lack of direction and policy, a high level of variability as to when purchase orders are used or when two-way versus three-way matching is needed. Inconsistent user experiences. When you think about the user journey through a particular procurement, procure-to-pay process, is every user experiencing something different based on this lack of standardization of how you buy a particular category? So you'll see lots of variation within the same category. Some folks sending their invoices directly to accounts payable and going outside of the organization to make that commitment with a supplier and others being very structured and using a purchase order or doing a three-way match. You'll see a, a varying levels of, of engagement of sourcing or the use of sourcing events. So, it's very hard for these sourcing departments to build timelines or pipeline that they can actually forecast to because they're not sure when they're going to get engaged based on the individual, the department, the function or region, and, and how they engage them based on the discernment of that user versus a standardized engagement model. And you'll see AP accounts payable departments paying invoices without awareness of matching requirements. So There might even be something in the policy that says in order to buy a particular type of category, let's say consulting services, you will require a purchase order, but that invoice may show up in accounts payable. They may pay it as a non-PO invoice because there's a lack of awareness to those matching requirements to match back to a purchase order or a receipt, or there's so much variability. They don't know when they should be enforcing that particular policy.
2: Interesting. If a organization wanted to establish building this source-to-pay buying channel strategy, what are the, the key drivers or foundational things that they need to think about in building such a strategy? Well, I think that the key
0: driver in building this strategy really comes down to one word, and that's standardization. A defined channel strategy standardizes the procure-to-pay process. It improves the process overall and spend visibility. And reduces the touch points with that process from procurement and the organization. So when we think about building these strategies out for our clients at Hackett, we make sure that we're aligning on these drivers and making sure that these drivers are applicable to the overall strategy of that organization or that procurement organization. Typically, we see the drivers include things like reduce the entry points and channels to buy. So, you're looking at reducing the number of different options or ways that business users could engage sourcing or could create a requisition or could reach out to a supplier. So, you're reducing that variability and entry points. We're increasing the use of purchase orders and contracts. So, that's a typical driver where you see in organizations that's very reactive and focusing on paying invoices versus proactive and building up an upfront purchase process in their procure-to-pay cycle. So increasing where purchase orders are used, where contracts are used to initiate that process. Increasing use of electronic invoicing. You'll notice a lot of companies are focused on how do we automate AP? And the answer to that question generally lies on the front end of the procure-to-pay process. By standardizing and increasing more purchase orders and more standardized ways to engage procurement and capture that request for goods or services, you're then enabling the suppliers to react and respond to those purchase orders or contracts and provide an electronic invoice back in association with that upfront engagement of their goods or services. And then other guiding principles when you think about these drivers that I typically have the clients think about is not asking when should we use a PO, but asking why not a requisition or PO? Why shouldn't we use a PO? And that really comes down to what I spoke about before, which is that risk and control guidance. How much risk are we managing? How much control do we need? And that would determine whether or not that answer to the question was in certain cases, we would not need a PO. Focus on the simplification and standardization of user experience. It's very important in source to pay or procure to pay to get out of our typical roles and viewing the process from a process governance perspective, someone in procurement that's looking to manage the process, or someone from accounting that's just looking to make sure that we're getting the appropriate allocations on our purchases. But think about the users. Who are the folks that are engaging sourcing? that are trying to put in a purchase requisition and so forth and simplify it from their perspective. One theme that I've always provided clients was you need to make it easier to do the right thing. If you're making it more complicated to do the right thing, human nature is to find the path of least resistance and find the easiest way. So simplification of the user experience is key. Engagement and influence of influence of purchases before they happen is a principle. So making sure that we're never looking hindsight or taking away any opportunity to influence that spend. So from a procurement perspective, we want an opportunity to get visibility of these needs up front. So there's an opportunity to identify when a sourcing event could be needed, when there's an opportunity to negotiate a contract and so forth before that commitment of company funds is made to a particular supplier. And then lastly, AP automation, as I talked about before. So ha- making sure that we're thinking about not only simplification and standardization, but automation, where can we automate things? Where can we identify an opportunity to skip a step and therefore take the variation out of the, out of the equation and also increase efficiency?
2: James, as you and I know, we do a lot of procurement transformation work as well as even e-procurement technology work for many of our clients. How does the buying channel strategy fit into these types of engagements in this type of work? So what's interesting about the
0: buying channel strategy is we see this really as core to most of our, trans- almost all of our transformation work, but also a lot of our technology work. So as we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast, this is the blueprint of the process. This is making sure that there's alignment on the core drivers of what the process is overall without getting stuck in the minutiae or the nuances that may occur at a category or a region or business unit level. So in our work, we're making sure that we're, this is our starting point to understand what the company's buying, doing the data analysis to look at the spend and the transaction volumes across certain categories, and then determine the channel strategy and how that would basically influence the level of volumes as to the number of purchase orders, the amount of receipts being done, and so forth. This is key to understanding not only the future state standard that could help configure a system, but even understanding going back to the user perspective and the user story, understanding their experience. You could put into place, everyone should do a purchase order without understanding the volume of work you may be introducing to your organization. So, this is the foundational process alignment to then drive the transformational changes of a lot of what we do here at Hackett on establishing enhancements or optimizing your procurement policy, and then guiding our overall design and configuration for the related technology. The commodity and category driven standardization allows not only for us to understand the impacts to the category managers and sourcing but also understand the impacts to the broader process and the broader organization, which is then going to influence the change management strategy. How much of a change are we looking at introducing to the marketing teams or the information technology department based on these standardizations and these strategies, and it will help build those change management plans as well. And then lastly, Putting in place a buying channel strategy in our technology implementations, even really is a way for us to typically streamline our design and configuration. This is a way to make sure that we're not looking at very detailed process maps per se and getting caught up in all of those details and, and decisions, but really driving from that blueprint to say, here's how we're going to design the taxonomy the categories and how it's going to be configured in your technology, and the general process of how users are going to be engaged, doing a requisition, putting in a sourcing request, all the way through submitting their invoice and getting it paid. So it really helps streamline technology implementations as well.
2: James, to that point, as it relates to technology, oftentimes we know that many of our clients have already made a technology investment of some sort, so they have a tool in place. Is it too late to develop a strategy if you already have something or or if you've already implemented a tool? The short answer is no,
0: it's not ideal. I think when you're implementing a technology, buying channel strategy should be a part of that methodology to ensure that your design is based on an agreed upon standard at a category level. However, we, Hackett engages in many what we will call optimization projects where we conduct these reviews on understanding how we can optimize the technology that's already been implemented. And typically what we'll do is we'll look at the volumes of the current state process and we'll Bump that up against our recommended standard of a more standardized taxonomy and category list commodity codes, how they're being used in those technologies and redesign that taxonomy to allow for that streamlined approach. So as we look at current and future state channel strategies, we'll engage with the client on workshops and reviewing the best practices and then understand what that gap is. There is a transition that has to occur to go to move into that new taxonomy that's aligned with a, a new channel strategy. But it's certainly worth the effort in every project that I've been involved in, where you are looking to transfer over, but in coming with that little bit of pain and transition comes with the long term benefit of greater influence of procurement on purchases and easier user experience for folks that maybe typically have had a poor experience based on the original technology implementation. And then what it allows us to do is also as you re-engage and look at that channel strategy is recommunicate this sim- more simplified experience and reintroduce the technology, not only with the updated technology, but it could be a simplification and more standardized policy that's introduced in addition to that sort of revised technology rollout. So it's not too late. There are companies that do it. It's something that we're very familiar with and it's something that we actually recommend to accommodate and allow for the improved long-term adoption of your technology users.
2: Got it. And finally, what are some examples of best practice strategies and does one enterprise-wide strategy work for most organizations?
0: I would say for organizations and looking at best practice, we do have best practices based on categories on where we recommend, say, the use of purchase orders or where we recommend not doing a goods receipt because of the lack of adoption that we've seen in our research, in our implementation. So in generally, I'd say there's best practices, but it's not one size fits all. So to go through just a few key points, From a PO usage perspective and using purchase orders, our recommendation is don't force it. Just remember the risk and control guidance that I talked about before. A no PO, no pay is something that is is fairly common and allows for organizations to have a very black and white ability to manage when an invoice should be paid or when it shouldn't be paid. However, it doesn't truly reflect a kind of common sense approach to applying a user experience that makes sense to certain categories. So, think of it as I said before, from a perspective of why not a PO? In some ca- cases, you may have substantial reasons to say a PO shouldn't be ne- it shouldn't be necessary. This could be rent payments or facilities payments or utilities payments. Think about it from the perspective of approving the commitments of funds, and where does that make sense? So that's going to be ma- that's going to make sense on sku based purchases, catalog purchases, service purchase orders, or one-on one-off non-catalog purchases. We'll see at Hackett that top performers manage seventy-two percent of their spend on a purchase order, but also they put about three percent of spend on a P card where there's different types of controls, there's no purchase orders, but it could be appropriate for some of that lower volume, low risk type of purchasing. From a three-way match perspective, top performers that we've seen have 44% of their spend on a three-way match. So it's fairly common, but not all categories are applicable for a three-way match. For instance, services, you could replace receiving with a service validation at invoice approval, since doing a receipt for services isn't as intuitive from a user perspective. And then lastly, a lot of companies are beginning to do invoices directly against contracts, taking out that additional step after contracting of creating a purchase order. This could make sense in consulting, professional services, and then some facility-related items like trash removal, cleaning services, or as I said before, rent. So not one size fits all, it's category specific, but there are certainly best practices that you can
2: leverage. Thanks, James. Really appreciate the uh, the great insight here. So with that, I'm going to wrap this up. And uh, thank you again, James, for joining me on this podcast. Thanks, Pat. Great to be here.
1: Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackergroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this, or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehacketgroup.com.